नमो ब्रह्मादिभ्यो ब्रह्म विद्या संप्रदाय कर्तृभ्यो वंश ऋषिभ्यो महद्यो नमो गुरुभ्यः शंकरं शंकराचार्यं केशवं बादरायणं सूत्रवाषिकृतौ वन्दे भगवन्तौ पुनः पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेति मूर्तिभेद विभागिने व्योमवद्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः शांति मंत्रम ओप्यायंतुमी वाक्प्राणचक्षुश्रोत्रोबलमींद्रियाचर्वाणी्रह्मीराकुर्यामाब्रह्मीराकोत्नराकरणमस्तुमीराकरणमेअस्तु तदात्मनि निरते यौ So we have successfully completed the sixth chapter and to recall the main intent of that chapter, <coughs> sorry, and its relationship with chapter 7 need to be understood before we enter the chapter 7 we started the sixth chapter with the sarvam khalidam brahma upasana the third chapter and fifth 14th uh, section which was needed to explain the chapter 6 where the father udalaka was teaching his son Shwetaketu about the ultimate or the absolute reality, where it's he said that Sadeva Somya Ida Mangrahasi. In the beginning, only existence was there. Now that existence itself is what is now being seen here as the world of experiences, whether it is waking, dream, or deep sleep, doesn't matter. all the experiences have their dependency on that sat therefore sat eva in the in the form of sat or existence we are experiencing that absolute reality in our every experience pratibodha viditam matam amrutatva hivindate kena upanishad mantra but how do we experience that sat in the in the experiential world of waking dream and deep sleep was in the form of names and forms vacharambanam vikaro namadeya was the word which was used in the first when he explained the examples the gold without losing the property or the goldness is what is being experienced as the ornaments just as the mud without losing the mudness is being experienced in the pot the lamp the jar etc etc same way this sat which was there in the beginning without losing that the nature of the sat existence each it appears as multiplicity in the world in the names and forms 
Why in the names and forms? Because <coughs> for us, the experiences are always related to names and forms. But we often forget that the names and forms independently cannot exist. Cannot have an experiential aspect to it without the existential substratum on which the names and forms are being used. So all that what we are experiencing doesn't matter the multivarious or the multidimensional, multitudinal, all the type of the variations which we are seeing, they are all names only. The names and forms, we call it in different methodology because we have been given the five sense organs of perception, which was explained in the Katopanishad. Paranchikani Vitranat Soyambu Tasmad Paran Pasyadinandaratna Paschiddiraha Avrutta Chakshu Amrutta Mijan Pratyagatmana Vaichari. These sense organs was created or placed in our physical body turned outward by the Creator. Therefore, Tasmad Paran Pasyadi. Therefore, they can only perceive things which are external to it. But in the Keno Upanishad, we heard that what is that Kahudevo Unati, what is that with which the eyes are able to see, the words are able to speak, the mind is able to mind, etc., etc., was the question in the Keno Upanishad, for which the teacher said, Chashushat Chachu. Manaso Mano Yat Vajoha Vajam Sahupranasya Pranaha. So in for the eye there is an eye which is seeing through the eye. That is the real eye, not the bulb like or a white and black thing which we are placed on the face of our experience or experiencing. No. That is only flesh or part of the body. But there is a knower when behind the seeing. That is mentioned as the chakshushak chakshu or the eye of the eye. Same way, hearer of the hearing, taster of the taste, minder of the mind, like that, all of them. And what is the nature of that? When it was asked, the teacher didn't have an answer. It is Yushruma Purvesham. I can only explain the way I was taught because it is beyond the Yadovacho Nivartande Aprapya Manasasaha, where the words fail to describe it and the mind returns without understanding it or without the fathom of grasping it. So I can, it is Yushruma Purvesham, as my teachers have taught me. Only that way I can explain to you, but it is there which you will also understand. Vidita avidita abhyam, that which is beyond the known and the unknown. Here we have to understand what we call it as known and unknown are in the names and forms. That is beyond names and forms. 
on which the names and forms has a dependency without which the name and form cannot be expressing its own presence that is what is explained as beyond the known and the unknown because what is known is in the realm of names and forms what is unknown is which cannot be known but we put them all together into one basket as called the unknown or the ignorance it is neither ignorance nor what is knowing in the names and forms it is that with which we know both the known and we also know we have a ignorance also so this aspect of vidita avidita abhyam adi means beyond is what is being explained by the teacher of the keno operation If you think that you know it, very little, dear, my, my dear son, you know about it because this is beyond the known and the unknown. So you cannot say you know it. At the same time, it is not unknowable. The very knowing or very the knowledge or the cognition or the the experience. when we cognize or perceive anything is due to the presence of it only in its presence we have the knowledge even the eyes are open we may not have the knowledge of the object which we see even physical amputation etc we do not know when in our deep sleep because we are not being perceiving that which is to be perceived all those things which are showing us is that that there is a consciousness and awareness beyond what is being perceived in the world but then how did the santochor chandogya upanishad master udalaka tell his son that vajarambanam vigaravu namadeyam tigateva satyam all those things which are seeing in the names and forms are the same sat sadeva saumya idamagrasi which is the one which is now being experienced so there seems to be a situation or a or a condition where people are not able to bridge the gap between the two one side it is say that it cannot be known the other say that all what you see is that that means i am knowing it how is this contradiction and how do i resolve this contradiction which is the biggest question any intelligent person will ask but at the same time there are upanishads which are talking about the third aspect of the absolute as bliss existence consciousness and bliss or the satchit and ananda now this ananda aspect is been eluding most of us we do not know what is the ananda that has been mentioned about this absolute in its own definition which is been indicative definitions 
सत्यत्यानम अनंतम ब्रह्म और सत्य सच्चित आनंदम ब्रह्म ऑल बोथ वेस अनंतम एंड आनंदम आर द टू वर्ड्स यूज्ड फॉर द थर्ड एस्पेक्ट ऑफ व्हाट इज कॉल्ड आनंद आनंदम मींस दैट्स व्हिच डजंट हैव एन एंड और इट इज इनफाइनाइट और वेरी वेरी nature of it is that it never gets diminished it cannot be divided it cannot be brought into any measurable means that such a thing is called the infinite and ananda we all know ananda or the happiness or the bliss i'm using both the words because some people know it as happiness some people know it as bliss but the intent of the upanishad is neither the bliss nor the happiness but it has got a meaning beyond that that aspect is being addressed in the 7th chapter of the sandogya upanishad in the end which we will come to know where they where the teacher says that na alpe sukham asti In the finite, alpam means finite. Na alpe sugamasti. In the finite, there is no permanent happiness. Bhuma iva sukham. Bhuma is a word used synonym to Brahma. Now the Bhuma word in Sanskrit has got bhuya. also another meaning who yes is the word which is used is that existence again or abundance there are many meanings for that that aspect of existence and knowledge which never gets disturbed this diminished or partitioned or you know reduced into object is the at aspect of the bhuma what is talking about to define that the seventh chapter the master says yatrama anyapasyadi anyat vidaranadi anyat sunodi that state or that is bhuma where you don't see anything other than that where you do not hear anything about anything other than that and you do not know anything other than that knowledge so that is the way in which this upanishad is taking us but straight away with our limited mind we cannot jump to that that state that statement doesn't make a sense to us so the merciful the benevolent upanishad brings in the teacher and the taught or the master and the disciple methodology again in the 7th chapter where there are two sons of brahma prajapati brahma manasa putras they are not a born out of womb or anything they were mental creations one is sanat kumara as the master narada is the disciple 
Now, both these characters are very well known for those who are familiar with Indian mythology. Sanad, Sanaka, Sanada, Sanakadi. There are four four rishis which were created by Brahma by the mental projection to assist him in what you call creating the world. But the, the, they were so much into the sattvic guna that they didn't want to do anything that can disturb their own existence or peace or anything. And they refused to do the further creation in the world. And they said to Father Brahma that no, we are not interested. And they go to Shiva and listens to him, the, from him, the truth about the reality. Shiva, as a Dakshinamurti, is advising to Sanakadu. So that is the teacher who learned it directly from Shiva, who is the master of this story here. And Narada is also a Manasaputra of Brahma. The Brahma here is not the Brahman, which is the Satchitananda Brahman. Here Brahma is the creator Brahma, who has been depicted as the three, three Murtis or the three created things, the Srishti or the creation aspect is by Brahma, Siddhi aspect is by Vishnu and Laya aspect is by Shiva. So Brahma, Vishnu, Maheshwara or Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva are the three gods of the mythology. So Narada is a mental child of Brahma who has been given special powers that he can travel to any realm which is supposed to be the 14 worlds as per the mythology and all the four worlds he has visa free entry and passportless travel so he can appear anywhere anytime due to this his capacity to learn also was very high so he has studied whatever is possible to be studied in this whole world, which will we see it in the list when he says to that, to the master. So this is the qualities of the teacher and the student. Now we know that what are the qualities of the teacher and what is the quality of the student. The student has studied everything under the sun or everything under the creation. Yet, he was not happy. He approaches the master saying that, I have heard that masters like you are saying that only that person who knows the Atma is freed from all sorrow and agony in life. Tarati Shokam Atmaviti. Tarati means to Tarati means to cross over. Shokam means sorrows. 
Atmavid, one who, who knows our Atma, he only can cross over the sorrows. Therefore, Adihi Bhagavo, please teach me, sir, is the way in which the Upanishad starts itself. The seventh chapter is divided into 26 sections, whereas in the sixth chapter we had only 16. But these 26 are all smaller ones compared to the 16 of the sixth chapter. And here, even though the 26 chapters are dealing with stage by stage development of meditational or philosophical meditation with which we are growing up in our understanding. So, this growing up of understanding is the stages which is being explained starting with the names and forms, Nama, to the Prana, which is uh, there in the 16th section, which is coming that. There, each one is superior to the other one. But when we go for the superior, we will know that when we are going to the superior one, the lesser one is not abandoned or discarded. Because the lesser one is a product of the superior one, therefore it is present in the superior one. This way, stage by stage, we are being taken to the plenum of happiness by the various methods in which Sanat Kumara teaches Narada. So, what happens is that as typical in the Shastra, when a student approaches a teacher, the teacher doesn't start talking about the reality or the absolute nature of things without taking a test of the child, which is very common today also. We have an entrance test or a qualifying test for anything in the world today. Something similar that was existing those days also. So what happens is that Sanat Kumara, when Narada approaches Sanat Kumara, Sanat Kumara asks Narada, what you said is fine, but before I start teaching you, I would like to know what is that you know till now. Therefore, I can teach you what is to be taught beyond what you already know. This is the way in which the opening scenario has been presented by the Upanishad to us. So, the Upanishad begins with the statement from Narada to Sanat Kumara, which says that The first mantra is the one which I am going to take thing. Adihi Bhagava iti ho upasa sadha sanat kumaram naradaha tam ho vaja yad betha tena ma prisida tadasta urdham bhakshyami iti. E narada. 
he says that narada okay now then before narada make the statement adihi bhagava he bhagava means he the revered one adihi the word adihi is used a second person singular word to please teach me or please enlighten me that teach me enlighten me both words can be used as synonym here because the subject is like that so adihi bhagava iti narada tanat kumaram upasasada this way narada told sanat kumara approaching him tam ho vacha tam means sanat kumara ho vacha as speaks to narada in reply to that yat vetha tena ma upasida tada urdham vakshami iti so what does it that yet vetha whatever you know please ma upasida please come to me explaining what are the things which you know tada urdham vakshami iti i will explain or i will teach you what is to be taught beyond what you already know why should i waste the time of yours and mine simultaneously we should know already know certain things therefore you should tell me what is the thing what you know and therefore please let me know what you know saho vacha narada now starts talking about ऋग्वेदम भगवो ध्येमी यजुर्वेदम सामवेदम माधर्वणम चतुर्थः इतिहास पुराणम पञ्चमम वेदानां वेदम पित्रम राशिम दैवम निधिम वाक् वाको वाक्यम एकायनम देवविद्या ब्रह्मविद्या बोधविद्या चत्रविद्या नक्षत्रविद्या सर्पदेवजनविद्या देतत भगवो अध्येमी he gives all the certificates from graduation to post graduation to doctorate whatever he has done for his studies he lists them all out to the teacher sanat kumar how does he say that rigvedam bhagavo dhyami i know rigveda i have studied that and i am a master of that yajurveda samaveda adarvanam chaturtam all the four rigveda yajurveda samaveda and adarvana all those things i have mastered it which includes the upanishad parts also इतिहास पुराण पंचम इतिहास एंड पुराण आर द टू एस्पेक्ट्स ऑफ द इन द एंशंट लिटरेचर व्हिच टॉक्स अबाउट द हिस्टरी एंड द मैथोलॉजी सो इतिहास हिस्टरी एंड पुराण इज मैथोलॉजी 
So he said that I not only I know that four Vedas, but I also know the history and the mythology. Panchamam, which is known as the fifth past, fifth aspect of it. Vedanam Vedam. Now Vedanam Vedam is typically the the Veda of the Vedas or that super Veda. But here Acharya Shankara mentions is here what Vedanam Veda is that that way that knowledge through which I am I come to know what is being told in the Vedas because the Vedic literature and the Vedic science or what is there in the Vedas are very archaic and very difficult to understand language. We do not come to direct understanding of the meaning unless somebody who has mastered it explains to us. Even those days, even though those days the language was Sanskrit, they knew the language and even though when it was being taught, there need to be an explanatory way in which those things need to be taught. Therefore, Vedana Vedam, here what Acharya Shankara says is that this is the, the grammar aspects of the Veda. Because it is the grammar aspects of the Veda is different from the Samskrita Vyakarna, which is later codified by Panini. But there are, there are difficult to understand words. For example, the Bhuma, the words itself is not there in the ordinary Sanskrit language. We only come to know the word Bhuma through the Vedas. Here it is the Chantogya Upanishad, which is part of the Sama Veda. So this Vedanam Veda is the intricate grammatical constructions of the four Vedas which I have studied as Rigveda, Yajurveda, Samaveda and Agarvana and not only Itihasa and Purana. Pitriyam. Pitriyam means all the sacrificial oblations which I, which we carry out for the departed souls. To all the departed souls, there is a ritual called once in a year and some people do once in a month also. Certain oblations or rituals and offerings under conditions with certain mantras which are chanted for appeasing them. They feel that the, the departed souls can influence even our life now. That is the belief they have. So, this also I know, Itrim means the way in which one has to do the oblations of essence to the departed souls. Rasim is that aspect with which we, we can say that, with which we can predict when will a meteor fall, when can an eclipse takes place or when are the time of celestial calamities can happen. It is a form of mathematical calculation. Basically, mathematically in nature, with full the you know what you call uh, we we take these all aspects of you know solar 
eclipse, moon, lunar eclipse, and the position of the stars, the North Star, the North Pole, all those things are mathematically calculated based on which they were able to tell about the celestial events which are happening. Not only what will be happening as far as the eclipse are concerned, but even when the a star will be born and star will be dying out in the cosmos. That is what is called Rashi. Then Daivam is the knowledge of the future. Here Daivam means which enlightens the future aspect of it. To predict events which can happen later by way of a knowledge which were there present in those days, they could mention that such and such a thing will happen. And they were able to predict with accuracy the events which can happen. The capacity to predict the future from the various indirect indications which they have accumulated as a part of the study. So not only that it is a physical phenomena which they are going to mention, they also can predict it from the position of the celestial planets, stars, and even the you know the nat natural things which are like the wind, the sun direction, the all those things from there, they are able to predict what is going to happen. This Utpadatnyanam is called what is called the Deva. Nidhim. Nidhim is is that knowledge without doing excavation a person can predict what is under the surface of the earth whether there is gold there or diamond there or whether there is a water streak flowing or whether there is a you know this this is a fault line where you may get an earthquake, etc., is what is that knowledge is what is called the nidim. Without digging, they can know they they by by that knowledge which they have he has acquired, Narada has acquired, he can mention that what is going to be the result if you dig in this such and such a place. Vako Vakyam is logic or what we call it as Tarkashastra, where the logic, logical methods of acquiring knowledge and logical methods in which you can take on an opponent on a dialogue or a dispute, all those things come under the Tarka. Not only that, they have developed that further into even the atomic nature in which the materials can be assessed without a binocular or a microscope or an atomic microscope. They could know the fundamental contents of a matter. This is by logical directions what they did is what is called the Vako Vakyam. Ekayanam is the Niti Shastra, that is the law, what we call it as the department of law or in the, what you call is in the advocate or the 
legal system, the law, knowledge of legal system. Or we can also say Dharma Shastra. Then there is Deva Vidyam, which is called as Deva Vidyam as the knowledge which is required for practicing the Vedas, which includes Nirukta, etc., and the you know the Chandas, the meter in which the you know mantras have to be chanted, the etymology of the words and the meaning of the words and all those things are called deva vidya then comes brahma vidya brahma vidya here doesn't mean the knowledge about brahman the, the tendency to mistake is that it is now brahma vidya means here we are not talking about the vidya of about brahman here brahma stands for vedas so the one word for all the four Vedas put together is called Brahma because uh, Brahma Pradivadya Vishayamusti. It is the subject matter for Brahma. Therefore, all Vedas put together are called those days by a single word called Brahma. And Brahma Vidya means Veda through the aspects of Shiksha, Vyakaranam and all those the Shadangas of the Vedas. Shiksha, Kalpam, Chandas, Vyakranam, all those things are included in the Brahma Vidya. The, it, it is the, not only that, the way to utter a word, utter a mantra, the way in which you have to perform a yajna, and the meter in which each of the mantras have to be chanted is all included in the Brahma Vidya. Then comes the Buddha Vidya. What is the Buddha Vidya? Buddha Bhautika is Buddha means created. It is what we call it as material science of the of the matters which have been created. All comes under the word Buddha Vidya. See, this is the way Brahma Vidya is about. The Vedas and thing, Buddha Vidya is about the materials which are used for our day-to-day -day life. Then comes the Shatra Vidya. Shatra means Shastra. It means armory or arms and ammunition. He knew the not only manufacturings of arms and ammunition and how to use them also. That is why it is called a Shatra Vidya. Shatra is from the word Kshatriya is coming, is from this word, which means science of warfare. Not only the arms and ammunition, how the manufacturing them, and how to effectively use like missiles, etc., everything, those things were under coming under the Shatra Vidya. Dhanur Vidya is a part of Chatravidya. Dhanurvidya is the application of the knowledge of the armory. The Chatravidya, not only the knowing the manufacturing, 
Dhanurvidya included in it makes it complete by applying that how to use it. Nakshatra Vidya. Nakshatra Vidya is that of celestial stars and the, the science of astronomy and astrology put together is what is called that. But earlier Rasim was the word which was mentioned which is prediction of events in the celestial places whereas here Nakshatra Vidya is talking about astronomy and astrology. Then Sarpa Deva Vidyam, Sarpa Deva Jana Vidya. It has to be divided Sarpa Vidya, Deva Vidya and Jana Vidya, Deva Jana Vidya. What does it mean that it is about medication? Sarpa is even though it is meant by snakes, how harmful, harmful, even harmful ingredients which we consume creates poison in our body and how to remedy, how to do a remedy for that is in the Sarpa Vidya. And that is more described in the Geruda Vidya, Geruda Mantram, etc. is there. And Devajana Vidya is what Narada is well known for, music, dance, and you know instrument musical instruments and uh, you know veena violin piano all those things are coming under devajana vidya and narada has many more in that but he concludes with edat bhagavaha devi these are some of the things i know in my my lord my teacher these are some of the things which i know but I have no happiness in me. In spite of knowing all those things, that I am not having the happiness within me. To mention that, he goes to the third mantra, say, Soham Bhagavo Brahm Mandra Vide Vandra Vide Vasmi Na Atma Vit Sutam Bhova Me Bhagavan so here Sanatkumara is washing out all the knowledge which he has learned which he proudly presented as a list of degrees and certificates which he had acquired over his, you know, learning process. The whole thing has been wiped out by Sanat Kumar. Let us see how he does it. Soham Bhagava Mantra Vidayavasana. Mantravit means one who knows these mantras because of which everything can be put into practice. Soham Bhagava, I am, O Master, O Bhagava, I am the Mandra Vidayavasana. I am the a person capable of chanting, doing all the mantras of all those studies which have been made. Na Atma Vida. But I do not know the, the intricate nature of these things. 
the self of all in that each one of them is not known to me so if you remember in the muttakopanishad we have studied that yatnyatva sarvamidam vijnadam bhavadi knowing which everything what is known as idam what we see as the world of experience becomes known to that the master of the muntaka upanishad mentioned that dve vidye vedidavye paracha parachaiva and in the opera he had listed all these vedas and all these upanishads all the you know the other shastras and everything which now narada says mantra videvasmi i know that this apara vidya completely the para vidya i do not know aham na atma vid i am not atma vid i do not know about the atma of it so oh bhagavan master please now please accept that this is my list of knowledge and i do not know the atma atma bhava or the the, the whole intrinsic nature of these things so bhagavat shroye means tarati shokam atmavit i heard from masters like you that atmavit one who knows the atma is capable of crossing over shokam tarati to cross over the world of sorrows here shokam is indicating of the world of sorrows tarati means crossover soham bhagava shochami therefore i am in utter despair and unhappiness because even after studying all the list of things which i have told you till now i am still unhappy because i do not know what is atma ma bhagavan chokasya param tarayetu my dear sir please make me cross over the world of sorrows by your teaching i am surrendering to you adihi bhagavo please teach me sir is the way in which he says that tam ho vaja that time the sanat kumara said yadvai kinchit edat agishta all those things what you mentioned about ऋग्वेदम सामवेदम यजुर्वेदम अदर्वणम पंचमम इतिहास पुराणम नक्षत्र विद्यावजन विद्या ऑल दोज थिंग्स आर नाम एवर ऑल मियर नेम्स और लेटर्स और द वर्ड्स यू हैव नॉट अंडरस्टूड वॉट इज द forms names and forms depending upon the names and forms which you all the knowledge which you have got is only mere words in reality if you do not know the reality behind it i can call you as a walking cyclopedia or a library walking around but you have known them only as mantra that is why you said mantra videvas i know how to chant all these mantras 
na atmavit you have not known what is the atma that were the mantras are depending upon or were the thing the so sanat kumara say what is kinchit yadvai kinchit adishta whatever little you know so even there he is taunting narada saying whatever little you know nama evai tat all these things are nothing but names and when if it is if that is the case you know that these are all weird names nama va rigveda yajurvedo samavedo atarbanas chaturta idhasa purana panchama vedanam veda pitrum rasin devo nidirvako vakam ekayanam devavidya brahmavidya bodavidya chatravidya nakshatravidya sarpajana vidya nama eva etat nama upasika but you have to meditate upon that nama whatever list what you have even though they were all mere words you have not meditated upon the words to know where does the words take their reality from the nama has a reality the words have a reality you went into the etymology the usage the language the logic and all those things are well known to you so that remains as names only or the words only but you have not made any attempt to know where does the reality for the names and the words which you are mentioning in the all the list which you mentioned is coming from therefore nama vai na etat upasi upaseti you have to now meditate upon the on the words to know where the dependency of the words or the reality for the words are coming from there is a truth in the words which you are talking about the words per, per se has limitations they are all little little words but there is a dependency for the words with which the words become life there is a life when you chant a mantra there is a life or there is a potency in the knowledge which you have acquired through the words but you are not known the the substratum or the knowledge where does it glean upon for its own existence or its own reality therefore please meditate upon the words as brahma as that sat or that atma which you have been asking for that please meditate upon that as the atma in for knowing what it is in the fifth mantra then the dialogue further goes sayo nama brahmetupasite ஸ்ரீத்தன்மேவோஸ்ட்ஸ்ட் பார்ட்டிஸ் ஆஃப் சனத்குமார் அண்ட் செகண்ட் பார்ட்டிஸ் ஆஃப் நாரத
तयो नामा ब्रह्मत्युपास्ते यावत नामनो गतम तत्रा अस्या यदा कामाचारो बाबती दिस इज व्हाट सनत कुमार असेस हियर हु सहया नामा ब्रह्मा इति उपास्ते who one who meditates upon or one who contemplates upon the names as brahma yavan namno gatam as the reach of the names whether it is the extent of anything the outer cosmos or inner knowledge or inner tranquility or inner turmoil whatever it is there is a name for everything even if it is not be a special name it can be a common name so as long as there is a way in which you can name anything either by a specific name or by a common name to that extent if you meditate or contemplate on that the reality of that where it is depending upon is brahma if you contemplate on that patra asya yata kamacharo bhavati you will have a mastery on that because not only you know the words what they stand for but you also know the substance or the reality on which the name is depending upon for example if you know the pot not only you know the name pot but you also know the mud the dependency of the pot name is on the mud same way all the names which you are using for all the list of degrees which you have mentioned <clears throat> there is one reality on which they all are depending upon so within the realm of the names you will become kamachara means you will have the freedom to move use and define and designate and explain within the realm of the names because the now now the name after you meditate upon brahma the name becomes a potent name not a mere library the difference between a word in a book and the word when it is being uttered by a guru is that difference when a guru talks about a teacher or physics teacher chemistry teacher or veda or upanishad mantra whichever is the teacher which is when he is talking about a word the alphabet the pratika the name everything is the same the, the you know the when you read also you get the same word but there is a difference between when you read it from a book and when it you hear it from a live teacher because there is that presence of brahman atman in that words which is communicating and coming to your ears through the means of these words so yatra tasya yata kamacharo bhavati then when you learn that the when you meditate upon now you have already studied the words but the words are lifeless in your in your memory but only when you 
accented or articulated with the knowledge of the reality of those words de dependency on that the words become powerful enough therefore you please meditate upon the words as brahma as a methodology so that you can enhance your capability to know what is brahma more and more because even brahma will be explained over a period using the names only because without names no communication is possible so even to explain you what is that atma with i need you to know what is a word but the word mere word will not help me or you in understanding what is atma but the word which you now grasp from me should be a potent enough word which makes it a live word for that you can experience the reality in the words so narada now gets into something higher one because he is always hungry of knowledge so he asked the next question yo nama brahmetyupasti bhagavo namno bhuya iti namno vava bhuyo asti iti so that means sir one who meditates upon the nama on the words as the brahma there is something beyond that nama beyond that words which you are talking about which is superior to the words bhuya means superior to that iti namno vava indeed is there something greater than the words bhuya asti iti you are saying it is the superior than the word tanme magavo braviti iti if that is the case tad that may to me bhagavan hey my teacher bravitu iti please explain to me that which is superior to the words so now the first stage of the teaching of what narada knows and what he is capable of learning from that has been completed the next section where sanat kumara starts with the next level where narada is being initiated into which we'll see it on friday which is starting with section 2 chapter 7 chapter section 2 so i'll stop here om purnamad purnamidam purnat purnamudachyate पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवावशिष्यते ओम शांति 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 हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः हरि ओम थैंक यू धन्यवाद थैंक यू बिंदु जी वेरी नाइस सेशन थैंक यू Thank you, Shri. Hari Om, Madhuri. This was uh, nicely taken up. The list of vidyas also. That Bhuta Vidya is same as uh, modern science, and Brahma Vidya so nicely bifurcated. And uh, coming to this, uh, the method of teaching, the Nama has taken here uniquely, um, unlike other Upanishads. 
this is very unique meditate upon the nama that is the method given but uh, it is i think stopped right there beyond which nothing is described um should we experiment with set of names what does a meditation yield is unclear any light on this the nama brahmeti upasita meditate upon the names as brahma what is brahma we know that achidanandam brahma that existence the word has an existence there is an awareness which is delivered in every name and there is a satisfaction when you know the meaning of the, the usage of the word so there is an aspect of satchidananda in the even in the names it though even though it is very primary level methodology of explaining that as we go we'll be getting into the what you call realms of higher higher and higher levels at the grassroots level the names are the one which is to be taken as the representation of brahma which is not only has an existence it has a potency to deliver knowledge and when you know that when you have that knowledge also there is a level of bliss or happiness in that to that extent what the knowledge has been delivered through the word that is why yatra tasya yavan tatra tamacharo bhavati to that extent he will have the freedom it is not that the absolute freedom to the level of what the words can be you know have the potency to that level you will have freedom and you will be happy about it. so it is a very what you call symbolic way in which words can be or whether you want to use the word om as a word you can do that or any other word for that matter doesn't matter you can use that for your what you call representational image which stands for brahma and what is brahma we know satchidananda brahma satchitnyanamanandam brahma all those aspects which has been explained in all the other upanishads so look from that point of view and from the next class onwards we will be going to the subtler aspects of the thing this is the grossest because everything in the world is in the realm of names and forms so without names you cannot even imagine something at least the name will be a common name like it or that but without that you can't even imagine the existence of anything even that non existence like the you know the hair, the horns of a hair the horns has a meaning the hair has a meaning but you know they don't go together that also is a knowledge in the words in the realm of the word therefore you have to understand that the potency of the word is superior definitely superior from the our ordinary meaning with when we use it without knowing the the potency of the word to deliver the message or the content that is where the finer aspects of the dependency of the word has to be meditated upon 
therefore nama as brahma should be the way in which we should take the contemplation god mandoji so th- this nama uh, you know you know the basic idea is to get to the potency itself expressing it and then contemplate further down at asachidananda atma so the existence is traced back uh looking at the potency of the world i think there may be some methodology maybe we'll wait for rest of the upanishad to go after this yes so, yes I'll, okay i'll wait for this thank you yeah, because what happens is that as i told the subtler aspects of this contemplation will come stage by stage why does the name has the potency is in the given in the section 2 where it says speech is superior to names now i don't want to enter that because that itself is a explanation which is required in the next class so you can imagine that when he they say when the upanishad says or when nasanath kumara says speech is superior to names there is a difference between speech and names names is a product speech is the cause so kaje karana bhava is the way in which it is going beyond to that the ultimate cause is where from where everything is getting deriving its own strength but it is not different from that is why the pot is not different from the mud or the ornaments are not different from the gold is only to drive in that point that there is cause and effect are considered to be different only because of the name and forms in reality there is no difference between the two that is what is to be kept in mind when you meditate upon the name shurbindu ji i think look like it is almost getting to the shruti itself eventually so we'll wait bindu ji this was one of the first chapter of upanishad which i which has impressed me so much that the rest of the studies became so easy for me when i keep this in my mind about this you know the subtleness in which with this upanishad this chapter particularly has taken us from the names and forms to the ultimate that is really which will help all of us to see the truth in the finer aspects was there a, like a surrendering in this one for you like did there was there like a series of epiphanies that that occurred or was there one in particular like mandukya for example that hit you hard and you know you you were slapped in the face with the truth and that reality or was it just a series of smaller you know a cascading what what was the process well you cannot pinpoint to one all of them are directing the same truth in different what you call uh, methodology so each one opened up one door you can as well say that and when you when all the doors are open there is there is a time when you realize there is no wall itself for the, for the doors When, what you thought so, as the doors were imaginary 
so you started, let's say, in your 20s when you were at Ashram. Was it, was it a, how long a process was it until you knew the truth, that you became that truth? I think these questions have no relevance in the sense that there is not, you know, it is just like when you switch off the engine of a car, the car stops, or when you start the engine, your car starts. It is not something similar to that. It is a journey by itself. The journey itself is a destination. So what we, what is that? It's an ever grow, ever going journey, and the destination moves along with you, right? So you cannot say, when did you reach it? I was there always. So where can I reach? When can I reach? Only I realized that, oh, I was there all the time is what the realization. But that it doesn't happen one day. It has to dawn upon you that, oh, it was always there. Right? I think this Kalas concept, which is in this, and I, I was for me, it comes in Prashnopanishad also, right? Vindaji last chapter. This here it is 15, there it is. Yeah, it is very, uh, very one of the most interesting concepts in Vedanta. Even I love this concept of how the Kalas work and all these things. Yeah, Prashnopanishad talks about the 16 Kalas, Shodasha Kala, Purusha. But that is certainly different from this, but that number anyway, some other is the same. Namaste Jadveti, Raj, Prakash, Vinod. Haribom Binduji, Namaste. Pranam Binduji, thank you. So here uh, you, you are going more into the, into the depths of uh, transmission of knowledge. So you know, it's not a question, but uh, I can I can pose it as a question. Yeah, you are right. How does um, you know? It's, I know it's not the right question, but I just uh, I want to ask. So when that resolving of the boundaries clarified, is there a uh, <clears throat> instructional gain that the teacher registers in the student by acknowledging that or is it how is it acknowledged just curious see the teacher doesn't see the difference between the student and himself even when the student was ignorant and as the teaching takes place the student gets the knowledge it is the student who feels a difference. From the teacher's point of view, he has never seen the difference, even from the beginning. It is the student who keeps on asking the questions, clarifying, clarifying, clarifying. So I, I really never felt that in this particular chapter, there is any statement where it makes you feel that, you know, the, the the student got the ultimate message or the truth by listening to this. This is the same with all the Upanishads. Never they will find the Upanishad mentioning that, you know, like the, you know, Shruti Bhala or what you call Falasruti, 
in other other uh, chantings and bhajan or stotras they will mention it that shivena sahamodate it's all etc etc like that statements they will never find it in the upanishad then the upanishad doesn't find the difference between the teacher and the taught except the the, the one who wants to know the knowledge doesn't see it even though he is that so that is the way in which the teacher sees that he is that but yet he doesn't realize it's just like you know you know the person in front of you is looking for his glasses at the same time you know that you see the glasses on his head on he has to put, put it up on his head that's why he is not able to see the glass right so the master sees that it is there in you but you are not seeing it so that's that's the way in which he teaches that thank you thank you vintachi it's quite a, a profound uh, <clears throat> assembly of you know today's session you went through all the vidyas but the, the primal question was <clears throat> to examine one's own knowledge framework or what you understand so that the teacher understands where you begin so i i really appreciate this session thank you pranams yeah that makes a lot of sense for us if we know where we stand you know? but most of us assume we know and then based on the assumptions we start explaining or defining things only when such question is being asked by a teacher we are really jolted from our ignorance This is an interesting turn here is when Narada explained all the vidyas he has and uh, Sanat Kumara says you know all of this are Nama Matra and he will say okay meditate upon the Nama itself. I think the teacher is really using the using what Shishya understood as vidya and just reduced it to nama itself and asked him to okay meditate upon this nama itself it's very interesting the way it is building up we'll wait for the you know detailing later but uh, it's interesting the way it is building up bidha ji good evening uh, i was thinking narada was more of a puranic character but uh, seems to be he is also in upanishads uh, so i am bit perplexed about it <laughs> yeah see that is something which both the sant kumara and narada supposed to be characters in the mythology but in the upanishad also they are appearing so as per some of the traditional explanations given by the sampradayika gurus are saying that they are referring to an arata and sanat kumara of the previous kalpa rather than the present kalpa is how they are explaining that so it that i'm i'm not as i said to you know i do not go into the history geography or the chronology of events and things like that for me 
the philosophy in the teaching is more important than the chronology or the character's name also. If they had given a different name, instead of Narada and Sanatmara, if they were given some, some Rishi's name, it would not have made any difference for me, at least from my point of view. And uh, the extent to which they go to make you really appreciate that uh, consciousness uh, or awareness, whatever, that's like really something which is uh, totally non-trivial. And, uh, uh, you know, it's like, it's like even in modern science, we don't find such an approach. Even modern science misses this way of actually teaching something where you are really trying to communicate that, which is very difficult to communicate. So, I mean, I, I'm really, I really feel that like, you know, how come humanity didn't give importance to these kind of things? So, I, I well, hope that, that next, that was the, next, yeah, that was the way in which, yeah. That was the way in which the teachings were done in India. They never had any books printed or anything from master to disciple. Oral teaching was the one way which, which today we have got the printed books and the recordings, etc. at all. But you should imagine 7,000 years or 3,000 years or even whatever may be the number of years before, how they would have you know, preserved the knowledge and transmitted from generation to generation so that, you know, those who are interested in this get it from the right source and they are able to propagate it away. That is why there was a system that Why do you think I am taking this class? Not because, you know, I want to teach anybody or anybody. When I am doing the teaching, I am doing an introspection of to myself or to what understanding I have done that. These words make sense to me. I am openly doing it so that it's a mama bodha vishuddhaye. It's only to clarify my own thinking that I am doing it. In the process, those who are interested will get benefited. It. And I'm not, there is no intention on my side to, to, to teach anybody or anything. I am clarifying my own thoughts, but in the form of a teaching. This was the way in which those days also it was being taught. The teacher was narrating this and when he was narrating he was doing it for his own clarification or his own you know what you call nididhyasana and those who heard from him picked it up as their as a teaching towards them and then they continue the same process that is why swadhyaya means by self-study pravachanabhya by teaching others napramadidavyam there should not be any pramada or any lacuna or a you know, you know, comfort or feeling that, you know, it is not required. That is how this tradition can be maintained. Good evening, Binduji. Beautiful session. Good evening, Kai. Um, I have a question. Um, I'm the only Westerner in this room, basically. I don't see many others. Um, in this part of the uh, Upanishads, um, they touch upon 
the, the field underneath names and forms and to understand what it is. If one looks at the West and one sees that the development on that uh, front has been quite significant, even though it is very in a very gross form, but at least there was a, a, a try to learn to understand what it is. Um, I don't know about India. India has the same thing, but they're really uh, strong in their um, traditions of where it comes from. So I'm wondering, what do you think, how do you see the combination between that area in the West and in India? Because I really feel that uh, the both sides can learn from each other as long as there is an openness to learn. How do you feel about that? You're absolutely right. The, this methodology of what was prevalent in India and what is now being developed as a neuro-linguistic methods and other things in the West definitely can go hand in hand and improve the experience, human experience for understanding. There is a lot of scope for that. Awesome. Thank you. In fact, uh, the system of learning in India, what we call it as the those ancient India, I would say, the ancient India is was virtually from the Hindu Kush mountains to all the way to the Bali islands. <clears throat> that was the way in which the language Sanskrit was being spoken and practiced by everybody. So. In that, the, particularly the Veda has got, let the knowledge come from all sides. That was the approach with which they taught and learned. So they didn't have any barrier or anywhere. From wherever the knowledge can come, it, let it be south, north, east or west, doesn't matter. As long as it enhances the experience and the understanding. What we are all hunting or at the end of the day, we are all looking for is the happiness, the everlasting happiness or that bliss, which doesn't, you know, get diminished or destroyed by the events in life. So that is what Narada was asking, Tarati Shokam Matma, cross me, please cross me over the ocean of, you know, sorrows. That which can be achieved only by knowing what is the, the essence of or the Atma of anything. So that is why the knowledge never had any boundary from the ancient Indian system of learning and teaching. Yes, beautiful. I totally agree with you. I've immigrated twice and that openness of new information or new approach of information might just do the trick and it opens up the mind, uh, it gives it more space uh, instead of being uh, in this one understanding of knowledge. Uh, once the basic knowledge 
is understood that is. Uh, once the basis is understood and once uh, it's the experience and then I've, my guru always has taught me that you can use anything in this world as long as it, it fits and it is used for the good and it helps in the understanding. So any tool is uh, allowed. You are right. Any tool is allowed. And that way, if you look at the, you know, the system which was prevalent in this part of the world, there was no taboo on anything. Even whether it was being done the tandra, witchcraft, or sex, or, you know, cooking, or medicine, poison, anything which is the, which you know, you need to study and my expertise or to become a master. There was no prohibition from the society by preventing anybody from doing that. That's why we have the Kama Sutra and the depictions of Kama Sutra is engraved into stones in the, you know, in the, in the, some temples here. And then there are books which are, which is allowing the people to want to do that. The tantric way of doing things, all things are allowed. Then there have been in the stories and there are records there, you know, people could count the number of leaves in a tree without, you know, destroying the tree. To that extent, they had the knowledge, but I don't know how they did it. Today, those many of those knowledge is not available. Whether they really existed or not, also we cannot say. So I'm not refuting or not accepting it. So there have, if it, if it had not been there, it cannot be an imagination. Just like somebody would have had it. But we lost in the period of time. So knowledge is always welcome. Beautiful. Thank you. So he's just asking in between, before knowing the final self, uh, will we go and come out of some, the intermediate states or emotions or something like that? No. There is nothing like intermediate states or emotions. You are that, you are always that, and there is nothing which is coming and going. If it is coming and going, you have to be somewhere which is not there. And when it is, it is not there, then it defines the, you know, the, the, the definition of the self is lost. Self is not a, character or a effort restricted to the physical body. The self is the same self in all. Whether it is the space, yourself and the self of the space, there is no difference between them. And within the space itself you are moving. So where can there be go in and come out to states? That is what you are comparing is to your waking dream and deep sleep. You feel that you are going through one phase to another phase to an experience. What changes is what is perceived. The perceiver never goes through a change. So the self doesn't go change. When you were in dream, when you were in waking, when you were in deep sleep, were you not there present all the time? You were present, that's why you know that you had a waking, you had a dream and you had a deep sleep. 
so you don't come and go or come in and go out experiences of waking dream and deep sleep can come and go that way if you say that states of emotions are to waking and dream not to the self the self is always the light with which you know all changes outside you as names and forms or experiences the self never has go to go through any changes i i have something uh, yeah. you were mentioning you were mentioning pindoji uh, you were mentioning the journey um it is a journey to understanding um if it is a journey from the perception of self you go somewhere but you don't go anywhere it is a journey of understanding right to learn to see right yes yes you're right it is not a physical going it's a journey of knowing so and i think that is that question what anonymous was uh, referring to as well because it is in that journey of understanding what emotions are and the understanding of um, that it is has no influence on self uh, and i think he was at the effect what emotions has that it's so real that you can lose yourself into that emotion into that state and to learn to recognize those states of emotions and the only way to come out of that is through knowledge am i right yeah that way if you look at it the 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 ignorance and the knowledge the ignorance is actually not something which is opposed to knowledge which can diminish the knowledge whereas the ignorance get diminished by the onset of knowledge so it is just like that the darkness cannot reduce the light but the light can diminish the darkness so in the case of emotions are thought to be real and experienced as long as you do not know what is emotions that way the emotions is like the shadow but once you know the shadow is because of the the, the original the shadow has no independent existence without the original the emotions will not have a independent existence the emotions are projections of the mind which thinks it is different from what its real nature is therefore that emotions will not be uh, you know you will not come and go out you will know the emotions until you know the emotion the emotions will be real like that you know the appearance of the image of the shadow until you know that it is the shadow of my own shadow the shadow will be the but the moment you realize that it is your shadow the shadow is no more a reality but it is an appearance same way the emotions becomes an appearance once you know the reality of the emotions that emotions may appear to be there but then you will not be anymore going in and coming out of that 
Beautiful. Thank you. The, the, the interesting part is when you identify these coming and the moment you label them, you are in a way eliminating them. Mm -hmm. Characterizing this phenomenon or, or layers of superimposition by naming it, you are smartly taking them out. Okay, it is not me. So Namarupa in a way helping label this layer of reality you know, more and more subtle as you go. Identify, name, label, characterize it, eliminate it. So in fact, Namarupa is helping to uncover the reality, the ultimate reality. Maybe we can take it this way, I guess. Yes, you are right. That is why you say Namityupa Brahmityupa Sita. When it is being when it is being the names and forms that I mean being contemplated upon as separate because that is the reality with which we know things. But the moment when we take it that as the that is that the reality, then when you contemplate that time only, you will know that the reality is, should be that which doesn't change. But the name and form of objects keep changing. They do not last. They come and go. They, however much period which we consider as the time, the space and time also as a name and this thing which is beyond my own existence or which I think I is my own existence. The name and space, that is why most of the people think that the sun and the moon and the stars they exist, even if I exist or not exist, they exist. That is from that point of view, they say that, you know, the existence of that is there. But if you look at it from an aspect of anything that has been created as a end to the creation, so that way, the sun, the moon, and whether it has come from a big bang or whether it has come from out of some other stars or cloud, it has been a creation. So they we call it as a name as sun or the moon. So what the moment the sun and the moon has come as a creation, they have a lifespan. It may not be compared to my lifespan. And that is not the question here. So when we you are using these type of names and forms for anything which is there, there, we should contemplate upon the, the knowledge of the name sun or the moon as a dependency on the object which is there as a globe or a, as a satellite or a, a, a event in the space and time. But that needs a dependency for their own existence. Unless existence is present in that name and form, we can never experience an, any object. So the name and form with the object when we take as an exist experience, the object is a product of a creation. Therefore, the existence of that product would have to have existed somewhere prior to becoming that name and form. This is the way contemplation has to go further, deeper and deeper into it. 
So as we go deeper into deeper that and can our contemplation when we do that, that is the time when the reality will really dawn upon us as to what is thought as the reality is not absolutely real. It is only temporary reality, and that is what it is taking the name for. This is the stage by stage development we have to go through. In a way, when this Brahmaheti Upasita, Nama Brahmaheti Upasita, you know that Upasana is indicating contemplation, the meditating upon. This Upasana has, you know, different meaning altogether also. It is also indicating this is also Brahman, right? In a way, it is asking you to contemplate than or recognize it as Brahman. So there are two ways of looking at it. That Upasana is a little misleading, Binduji. Uh, that word should be taken it as, you know, Upasana to contemplate. Is that the way to take it? See, if we, the, the common meaning of the word Upasana is meditation. And med, the moment we anybody hears meditation, what picture comes in the mind is, Somebody sitting in the cross legs, eyes closed, stiff like a, you know, uh, ramrod, stiffness, uh, the, the neck and the uh, head and the body straight, closed eyes, taking uh, regular breathing and thinking about something. This is the mental, what we think as meditation, as upasana. But the word upasana, upasida, the upa is a suffix. And see the is the dhatu, to know. So, to know very close is the real meaning of the word upasida. Means to know it closely, as close, much as much close as you can possible, is the word real word meaning of the upasida. So, which we which is not really discussed or explained in the, in the ordinary language. Ordinary language, what they call it as meditation is. You know, to meditate upon me, to sit and contemplate on certain aspects. No. It is to know as close the reality of an object as possible. That is the way one has to do that as possible. Correct, Vinayaji. I think in Brahma Sutra also there are other similar, uh, you know, like Mano Brahma, Devasita, different ones in the sutras also. Now, if that, I think, taking the cue here, I think it is exactly indicating the same there also. I'm just trying to validate these these versions. Yeah, you're right. Thank you, Vinduji. This helps a lot. There was something that I read this morning, Vindod, that I thought would be nice to share. Uh, before you go, I was reading um, lectures from Vivekananda, and this one I think is in Paris. I can cite it uh, for everyone if they want to read more about it. But I didn't realize, you know, how much of a hardcore Advaiti he was. And this passage is, you know, mirrors what you were just saying. So is it okay if I read it? I have no problem. So it starts. Uh, it is the free alone 
which never changes, for change is produced by something exterior to a thing or within itself, which is more powerful. Supposing God has become the universe, then God is here and has changed. A changeable God would be no God. To avoid this doctrine of pantheism, there is a very bold theory of the Vedanta. It is that the universe, as we know it and think it, does not exist, that the unchangeable has not changed, that the whole of this universe is a mere appearance and not reality, that this idea of parts and little beings and differentiations is also only apparent, not the nature of the thing itself. God has not changed at all and has not become the universe at all. We see God as the universe because we have to look through time, space, and causation. It is time, space, and causation that make this differentiation apparently, but not really. This is a very bold theory indeed. It does not say that this universe does not exist. It exists, but at the same time, it is not what we take it for. To illustrate this, the example given by the Advaita philosophy is well known. In the darkness of night, a stump of a tree is looked upon as a ghost by some superstition, superstitious person, as a policeman by a robber, as a friend by someone waiting for his companion. In all these cases, the stump of the tree did not change, but there are apparent changes, and these changes were in the minds of those who saw it. The theory of the Vedanta therefore comes to this, that you and I and everything in the universe are the absolute, not parts, but the whole. You are the whole of the absolute, and so are all others. These divisions these limitations are only apparent, not in the thing itself. There is no change whatsoever in the soul, infinite, absolute, eternal, knowledge, bliss, and existence. Neither can there be birth or death for the soul. Dying and being born, reincarnation, and going to heaven cannot be for the soul. These are different appearances, different mirages, different dreams. To everyone of us, there must come a time when the whole universe will be found to have been a mere dream, when we shall find that the soul is infinitely better than its surroundings. I've, like, I've never read, I've read passages of the Gospel of Ramakrishna, but, you know, I, this, is, this was so powerful, and I didn't realize how orthodox in that sense that Vivekananda was as well that you know so so many times the teachings are muted in a sense to you know uh, appeal to a broader audience that 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 fundamental truth of what's being projected is lost because you know he has to narrate to a wide audience but this is hardcore now that, that's like that is Advaita right there I think you know, anyway, I thought I'd share it because it it kind of fell into um, into the conversation nicely, and I had read it this morning. So there you go, Jatavita.
nice share, Patrick. Thank you for this. Especially, you can read uh, the lectures of Swami Vivekananda from Kolobe to Almora. All those lectures were uh, delivered when he's back to India. The most wonderful lecture series. Tom, you have come up for any, any question there or any, anything to contribute? Uh, I have a doubt. I had been thinking whom to ask that. Um, but I don't know whether I can ask here because it might be slightly out of the topic you are speaking now. Doesn't matter. Go ahead. See, this was uh, something to do with uh, some other discussion where one person commented. I was just only observing it. I read this comment, uh, which is uh, triggering my understanding on guilt crime, punishment, karma, dharma, whatever I was uh, understanding as such. I read this comment. You just tell me whether it has got um, you know, any relevance. The comment goes like this. When you are guilty of your actions, you have gone against your intuition. It means you will have to balance the karma by paying back, paying it back to the universe. If you're not guilty, then you followed your intuition. It means you simply followed your purpose as per universe. You don't have to pay back. This was the comment for which there was some argument going on. And she further elaborated it as like uh, somebody, even if they commit um, some kind of a, a, a unacceptable thing, like for example, consider Hitler. You know, as long as they don't feel guilty about it, it is just their purpose and, uh, you know, they don't have to face a karma, which was, uh, you know, which was just, oh my God, I was just thinking, I, I'm confused now. So, <laughs> and also, I was all long time contemplating about this uh, Dostoevsky book, you know, The Crime and Punishment, which also says that the one's guilt ultimately gets you the punishment so i was confusing everything and now i'm totally confused about this guilt punishment karma and all okay See, there is a lot of misinformation in the in the field about karma and you know the cause effect relation, I mean reaction, karma and as a action and a karma phala as a result. You have to understand one thing. The nature has very clear cut rules which is defined as in the Mantukya Prinshal, which I completed some time back, it says that Prakriti Ranyodo Bhavo Katanjit Nabhavishyam. That means Prakriti, for the nature, <clears throat> there is no alternate way in which it exhibits. 
for example the fire will be always fire the sun will be like sun the water will be like water anything in the nature has got its own a self quality or self purpose with which it is existing so we know it by that purpose it will never change what we think that we are doing with our own freedom to do or the free will to do we think it is our free will with even to to have a free will we are dependent upon our mind and intellect which is again conditioned or controlled by something which is not in our hands so what you mentioned that with intent when you are doing something what really happens is that the intent aspect is created due to a lack of information called in we call it as ignorance not knowing the reality we develop an intent to do certain things now whatever you do doesn't matter the consequences of that which gugu has also is asked in the chat the consequences of that is controlled by the nature just because i didn't have an intent to burn my hand but i touched fire doesn't mean the fire will not burn you if your statement has to be taken in the literal sense without intent if i touch the fire the fire should not burn me with intent i touch the fire the fire should burn me it is not like that the nature has its own rules whether we have an intent or not intent doesn't make any difference for the nature to react these reactions which are happening is what is called karma phalas that is not in our hands what we do if it is not with knowledge we do end up ending we end up doing wrong things and when we do wrong things the nature will pay in the wrong way in when for when it befitting the wrong action that time if the time and space has changed you may not be able to link between the the action which you did the result when it comes there is a time gap so you may have forgotten your action but you may try to justify the reaction which is coming from the nature as i didn't do anything it just it is befalling on me as a bad bad hate bad fate or bad situation or anything like that but we have no knowledge about what we have done which is now fructifying and coming to us so all those things are very very what you call intricate and controlled by nature in such a way that we do not have the total picture unless you have a total picture of the the totality we will not be able to give justification or explanation to why how or why things are happening that is why krishna himself in the bhagavad gita says you no know, where he says that you know gahana karmana gadi in the means it is very the the method, the method in which karma behaves is very deep and it is not easy for ordinary human beings to understand how it is working because we don't have the total picture in our in our vision so 
misusing this lot of people use it for controlling others you know the religious either from the religious point of view or political friend of view or the whichever friend family side or people can control you saying that you know you will get bad karma or do these thing that it is because they themselves do not know what is going to be out of because a fear is created is used for controlling people but the only antidote for that is know the truth and once you know the truth you will become fearless fearless in the sense that not to take on any challenge to know what is possible what is not possible what should be done and what should not be done that is what is called the wisdom or the truth knowledge that will make you fearless this is how one has to take life into you know but not justify what is the injustice happening guilt is happening how do we justify that do you have the total picture to even define what is injustice what is these things happening like that we don't have the total overall picture we look partially from our present day viewpoint and we try to say it is injustice what is injustice today we are seeing maybe a reaction of something which has been done and the nature is giving it back but we see it as an injustice so it is very very tricky to define and justify what is happening the only way we can do is know the reality of things then we know what to do and what not to do and as long as we remain in that realm what to be done and what not to be done we will be safe okay i'll call it a day thank you all <clears throat> meet you on friday the same time we'll take on the second section onwards of the same chapter hari om good night hari om bindu ji thank you hari om thank you